All right, family, 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 family. Welcome to Brother from Another. The experience, the program, the mindset, the lifestyle, we appreciate you. No matter how you're consuming this show, no matter when or if, uh, or, or when and how, I should say, we know it, if the if is happening, you are doing it, but no matter when or how you're consuming the show, we're grateful for your support. Whether you're listening on a podcast, watching on YouTube, Peacock TV, Sirius XM Channel 85, or let me see, let me get my math right, 35 spots down from the groove. Shout out to the groove on, on Sirius XM. We appreciate you. We, we, uh, we love having you here. And for those who are new, welcome. And if you're new, I'll tell you right now that this, this little operation that we do here, you haven't seen or heard anything like it. What we generally do is we ask questions and we make ourselves vulnerable and we poke and we question and we prod. We do all these things until we understand the situation or ourselves a little bit better. And we try to bring you in and, and try to learn from, from all of our experiences. So uh, there, there's not really a subject that we'll run away from on this show. And we try to give it the, the weight and the seriousness that it deserves, no matter what it is. And one of those subjects, I'll start there uh, today. One of those subjects I heard about last night. And when I heard about it last night, around 11 o'clock, it was whispered into my ear by a very dutiful producer. Producer says, Woj is tweeting that Ime Udoka, Ime Udoka, may be suspended. He may have some disciplinary action. This is the, the initial stage of disciplinary action. Violation of a team rule, a team rule. And there could be a significant suspension. Since 11 o'clock last night and on the East Coast, 3.03 p.m. right now, the more I've heard about this story, I got to be honest with you, the more I hear about the story, the more questions I have about Celtics head coach, Ime Adoka and the story, just the story itself. I just feel like journalistically, and forget about journalistically. If you're listening to somebody tell a, tell a story, whether you're a journalist or not, whether you're interested in journalism or not, and somebody tells you the story about how we got to this point, and they finish talking, you know what you'd say? Probably the same thing I'm going to say. What am I missing? There's got to be another element to this story that I'm missing. Now, here's Shams says, Ime Udoka, according to him, had an improper, intimate, and consensual relationship with a female member of the team staff. Sources tell the Athletic and Stadium. It's been deemed a violation of the franchise's code of conduct. And, and Woj says he's likely, he, Udoka, is likely facing a year-long uh, suspension for this. Now, let me tell you, there's so many, there's so many elements of this story that have me stunned, confused, and if we had a live studio audience or if we were in church, I'd say, talk back to me if you can, because in those talkbacks, you get some insight. Somebody gives you an amen or... Somebody says, take your time, or somebody said, wait a minute. I got it. I don't know. But 
I'm going to I'm going to tell you that this is before I even get into the morality of it, the ethics of it and on all the conversations we're having about workplace conduct. I can tell you, I started covering the NBA in 1993. And I've never seen anything like this. Teams don't do this. This is unprecedented teams. Now listen to what I'm saying teams who are dissatisfied with their head coaches don't suspend them for a year. I can tell you that the Celtics have never done it. It has never happened in the long history of the Boston Celtics been around one of the flagship franchises been around since 1946. It has never happened in the history of the Celtics. They've had great coaches. They've had mediocre coaches. They've had some flat out bad coaches. It has never happened. And unless I'm missing something obvious, someone obvious or some situation that's obvious. I can't remember another NBA team saying we're going to suspend our coach. It's our decision. It's not the league. The commissioner's not making us do it. We're doing it ourselves and we're going to do it for 82 games or more because we think the Celtics are going to make the playoffs. We think still, even with Ime Adoka reportedly headed for a year long suspension, we think the Celtics are going to make the playoffs. They make the playoffs. We're talking about 100 games. You know, they played over 100 games last year, 100 games. So. I just want to recognize the enormity of it, the historic nature. That's not hyperbole, the historic nature of this. And why the suspension? Because most of the time, teams who are dissatisfied with the head coach for any reason on the quarter off, they say, we'll give you an opportunity to resign or we'll fire you. Resignation, firing. I've never heard about a suspension. Have you? If you have, tell me, let me know. Gary Carter, if you hear something about a suspension that I'm missing, just say it in my ear and I will correct the record. But for now, I'll say um, no one does this with with the head coach. And I'm not I'm not saying it in praise or shade. It's just unusual. Now, let's get into the year long year long suspension. We know it's unusual. But with absence of information here and 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 According to the reporting, the Celtics are going to come out with something later today, perhaps a statement. And maybe with that statement, they won't tell you everything, but we can read between the lines about why we're here. But in the absence of information, a year long suspension for a consensual intimate relationship seems quite harsh. Right now, I'm not I'm not talking about uh, I'm not talking about uh, partnership marriages. I'm not talking about all of that. The, the, The conversation that has nothing to do with me or you or your neighbor or your cousin is a conversation between Ime Adoka and whomever he has committed himself to. That's got nothing to do with me. I'm just talking about from a workplace standpoint. Let's say they call you into the office. They call you into the office and they say, okay, uh, you have violated organizational policy because you're you're having uh, a consensual relationship with someone and we just don't agree with that. And here's the handbook. 
And so uh, you will be disciplined for it. Okay. All right. Uh, that's fair. Uh, that's organizational policy. I, I get it. I mean, you can get away with that uh, in the name of corporate America. You can tell me I'll deal with the heavy handedness of you telling me who I can fall in love with, who I can fall in lust with, who I can spend some time with. Yeah. You are allowed to do that because I guess you're signing the paychecks, but that, that, that's, a, that's a rant for another day. But they call you into the office and they tell you that the penalty that you're getting is a year. I mean, it's just staggering to me. I, am, am I the only one? Am I the only one looking at this saying, what? Excuse me? A year for a relationship that was consensual? And I'm making an assumption here, I'm not trying to be, uh, uh, I'm not trying to be snarky or sarcastic. If it's between two adults and it's consensual, whether you agree with it or not, okay, we're, we're good. We're good, right? And I know some organizations, you know, believe in the structure of Hey, if this if, if it's someone like Ime Adoka, who's a head coach and somebody under him uh, doesn't have the power that he has, doesn't have the influence, uh, doesn't have the stature, then corporations determine that that's a problematic setup. But that's a corporation again. Like maybe we should question that. That's a corporation saying you can't do that. And I've never been in that situation. So I've never really thought about it that deeply. Of you know, what would I do? Because I've never been there. But now that we're looking at this, this unprecedented NBA situation, I think we have to ask some questions of, about how the Celtics came to this conclusion, and perhaps they will shed light on on their process and how they wound up here. I doubt it. Most teams don't want to do that, and I don't think it's a coincidence that this story dropped at eleven o'clock at night on a Wednesday, on the same day that Robert Sarver of the Phoenix Suns announced that he planned to sell the team. And a few days, three, four, five days ahead of Celtics media day. So you know what's going to happen, right? You know what's going to happen. Have the story start to drop. We prepare us for it on Wednesday. On Thursday, today, maybe we'll get a statement. And then on Monday, when it's media day, and we all have questions about the new, the interim head coach of the Boston Celtics. We have questions for him. They'll say, hey, listen, we just want to talk about basketball. Uh, we've said everything we need to say. We've, we're going to say in a statement and we're moving on and we're focusing on an NBA season. You look at some of the tweets here. Uh, the M we'll get to this. The Ime Adoka story is such an NBA media story because none of it is about the actual thing. We don't even really know what the actual thing is. We don't. Reporters racing to beat each other to details about the knock-on effect. I, I, maybe that was it. Maybe that was a thing. Uh, Kevin Draper tweeting that. Maybe that was a thing last night, earlier today. I'm not even there. I'm not a... I'm not in the what is it? Who is it? space. Not me. Nope. That's not my issue. My issue is why? Why a year for a consensual relationship? And I, I, and I guess um, the other aspect of this 
is Ime as uh, Ime Adoka as a head coach. So some teams might do this to a head coach that they don't they don't like, and they wanted to they want an excuse to just get them out of the way. The Celtics are different. Celtics last year underachieved. Brad Stevens was their head coach. He, they underachieved. Not last season, the season before last. 2020-2021 season, they were underachievers. Brad Stevens moved upstairs, became president of basketball operations. He hired Ime Adoka. They got off, the team got off to a mediocre start, and they finished their last 35 games with a record of 28-7. and seven. Best record in the NBA over the last 35 games of the season. You guys saw it, NBA Finals. Rookie head coach, two games shy of, of the NBA Finals. Players improved under Udoka. Marcus Smart became always a good defender, became defensive player of the year. Robert Williams showed that he could play through pain and became a, a, even a better impact defender. Jason Tatum became a first team all NBA player and a better passer because Udoka challenged him not just to score, but to pass. Jalen Brown improved. Players said Udoka spoke to us in a way that Brad Stevens couldn't. He knew where to push us, where Brad Stevens didn't know. It was better for us. Stevens also did a better job than Danny Ainge taking over Danny Ainge's job. It was a win-win for everybody in the organization. So I say all of that to say this. Sometimes a distraction, sometimes you, the, these relationships happen and somebody said, well, it's a distraction. Uh, the, the workplace just came to, you know, came to a halt because we couldn't have this. It was dysfunctional. It was toxic. And maybe internally it was based off of this relationship. Maybe I don't know. I'm not trying to go there. What I'm saying is from afar. If you look at the Boston Celtics in 2021 to 22 with Ime Adoka, they were a lot better than they were in 2020. 21 without him. There's got to be another part to this story. And and that's that is one of the intriguing aspects of it. I'll tell you what's messy. And I, this is the last point I'll make before we uh, before we head to a break. But let me, let me spend some time here. Let me, let me give me give me a few minutes on this one. It's a little messy. And maybe the Celtics didn't think about this. When they leaked it because I do believe they leaked it. Um, but it's a it, there's a messy, unfair aspect of it, and I think Keith Smith here. He's heading where I'm heading. Keith Smith, and his tweet says, "The handling of the Ime Adoka situation has been awful, from it leaking out to the coverage to the rampant speculation and putting people's names and reputation up while speculation." Uh, it's disgusting while well, speculating. I think he means it's disgusting and gross. No one needs these details. These are real people in a messed up spot. Okay. No one needs these details. And I can say as a reporter, I agree with that. I agree that no one needs the details. We don't need the details. I don't need to know that a head coach of an NBA team is having a relationship with somebody in the office. I don't care. Is that all right for me to say? I don't care that a, a, a head coach in any sport, male or female, straight or gay, 
sexual, asexual. I don't care if you're having a relationship with somebody in the office and not just when it comes to my sports, but when it comes to my offices, I don't care if you're having a relationship with somebody in the next cubicle. Are you getting the job done? It doesn't affect me. Good. Are you happy? Good. Good. God bless you. What I care about is people being brought into a situation unfairly. And that's what's happened here because through the leaking from the Celtics, we have learned that there was a relationship with Udoka and a female staffer. Now think about that. Think about that language. It's, it's so unfair. I said to uh, Gary Carter, one of our uh, great producers earlier, what if somebody came out with the story and said, somebody black at Peacock embezzled funds. <laughs> okay. Like, Hey, listen, I'd much rather you say, I did it. Say it was Michael Holly who embezzled funds or say who say, say who it was, but don't just throw it out there because everybody now female with the Celtics is under scrutiny. And so you have people and, and people have asked me, well, do you know, do you know? No, I don't know. I don't know who it is. I'm not, I'm not interested in speculating on who it is. What I, what a, what a really, uh, I feel bad. I, I feel bad for people who are in that, who are in that cycle, who are in that mix, who are under the microscope because of the phrasing of the news. It would be almost better. It would be a little bit better if the story either didn't break at all, didn't break at all, and the Celtics decide that they're just going to uh, penalize their coach, and they don't tell you why. They don't tell you why. Hey, hey, listen, our coach is suspended, violation of team rules. We're not getting into it. He didn't do anything illegal. If he had done something illegal, we would have fired him. He didn't do anything that, that, um, that makes us think that he is not a fit for our culture. If he had done that, we would have fired him. Just know it would never fly, I guess, in 2022, if you say it that way. But just know that he's been suspended. But when you put in, when you say the gender of who it is, the gender of the person involved, but you don't name them, that's tough. I mean, Ime Adoka, we know he was involved. So it's not, it's not like they said uh, there was an inappropriate relationship between a male coach and a female staffer, then everybody's guilty. In this case, we know Ime Adoka's involved. We don't know the other person. So everybody else with the Celtics, I'm not saying because I need to know I'm saying it because there are some people uh, I know who work in the organization who are just being looped into this thing unfairly. Last thing. Okay, last thing. I know I said it was going to be the last thing. Here's my last point. Promise. My last one on this. Then I'm going to let it go. We'll talk with Mark Spears, a great NBA reporter from Anscape uh, and ESPN. We'll talk with him in about uh, 20 minutes. But the last thing I'll say before we talk with Eric Edholm and talk some football with him, are the Celtics right? Are the Celtics righteous? Do you have more respect for the Celtics for doing this? Or are they stupid? You tell me. There's a team policy. We don't do this here. And so... We're going to make an example out of you and suspend you for a year, which I don't believe has been done. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. I don't believe has been done in the history of the NBA. 
We'll fact check it. I spent a lot of time thinking about this. I don't think a coach has been suspended by his own team for a year and remain the coach of the team. Usually you just fire the person. What are you doing? Anyway, um, was it righteous? Do you respect them for let's hold everybody to the same standard because that's what Ime would do? Okay. Since Ime was all about holding people to a standard, we're going to hold him to a standard because that's only fair. Is that smart? Is that righteous? Do you respect them? I don't know. Would they do it for a player? If a player, if a, if a Celtics player is involved in the same situation, or does the policy not apply to players? It just applies to uh, basketball operations staff, non-players. It's a champion. You, you've got championship aspirations. Vegas thinks that you're in the mix, and you pretty much detonate that before October hits. I don't know. You tell me. It's interactive. Holler at me. Reach out to me. But this story is, uh, I mean, we could go on and on. We could unpack it. It is, it is something um, that I really don't have any easy answers for. What you heard is a workshop. I'm just workshopping it with you all. I hope you stay with that. I hope you stay with it. Agree? Disagree? Let's share. Let's talk about it. This story's not going anywhere, and I will say that maybe we'll have some answers in a little bit when the Celtics come out with their statement. Maybe E-May will come out with a statement himself, and we'll have a clearer picture. But right now, the more information I get, the muddier my windscreen gets. Clear this up for me. Doesn't make sense. Brother from another rolls on. We'll be back. We'll talk with Eric Edholm, talk some football. And the most important game of the weekend. And it's not Dolphins Bills. Mm. All right, listen. I love talking about the top of the league, trying to figure out who can stop the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs without Tyree Kill, the resurgent Dolphins. I love it. But Looking at the bottom, too, is kind of cool. And Eric Edholm has done that. Talking about reasons for hope for all seven winless teams entering week three. But, Eric, I'll start with this. Yeah, you can say reasons for hope for all seven. But two of them this weekend are playing one another. And this the season's on the line right here. We got Raiders at Titans. Both teams 0-2. The loser, I'm going to say early in the AFC See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for coming. Nice party mm. gifts. We'll see you in 2023. Uh, how do you see this game? Uh, like the, the, the stakes and, and the actual playing of it. Yeah, the, the bottom dwellers bowl, if you will. Yeah, it's uh, – yeah. I, I mean, I look at the Raiders, obviously, last week was insane. I mean, they were in control there for, uh, you know, most of the contest and then collapsed in, in spectacular fashion at the end. And, you know, early on that pass rush really was – harassing Kyler Murray and then he's you know the whirling dervish that he is pirouetting around for for 20 and a half seconds on one play and you know 14 on the next and I think they just wore down a little bit so I I don't want to put too much into that one game but you know the Titans were pretty I I really don't I really it was it was I don't think the Cardinals are a good football team and so losing to them is going to look 
you know, worse, I think, later in the season. But I don't, I don't, I'm not ready to use that game as the ammunition for, wow, the Raiders are terrible, right? I think they're in better shape right now than the Titans are. Uh, you know, they were just non-competitive after the first, what, quarter, quarter and a half of that game against Buffalo. And, you know, yeah. look, the Giants are a great story at 2-0, but the way they lost that game and, and looking kind of hopeless. And I said, I said, look, Derrick Henry, has, as amazing as he's been, he's the type of player you could see falling off a cliff. I don't know that we're there yet, but, you know, he's not the Ooh. kind of guy who will just sort of ease off, you know, and, and taper down, and, you know. This is going to be a from great to wow. Can this guy still play whenever it does happen? So far, he's been off to a slow start. So we'll see. I, you know, two former uh, Patriots uh, mainstays and McDaniels and uh, Vrabel certainly need a win in this one. And you're right. I think the loser is in bad shape. So it, it, which team do you think out of those two? Because I want to get to Cincinnati in a second. I'm, I'm interested yeah. uh, in them because I have have high hopes for Cincinnati this year after dismissing them most of last year. Yeah, I really got on board Super Bowl week. <laughs> you know, most like yeah. every other step I kept saying they're not that good, not that good. They'll collapse, they'll collapse. Right. But we'll get to Cincinnati in a second, but out of those two teams, out of the Titans, between the Titans and Raiders, which team do you think is better equipped to kind of self-correct from an 0-3 start? Is it the Titans because they're in a, a worse division? Yeah, I think it has to be just because of that. I mean, right, you could argue that the, the Raiders are the better football team, and I'd certainly engage in that conversation, but you have to look at the landscape. You have to look at who you're playing, and right now, <laughs> AFC South is a morass. I mean, it's terrible, and, and you know, to think that, you know, the Colts are still in it. Technically, the, you know, the Texans are still in it. I mean, you know, we, we know the situation, right? This is going to end up looking a lot like a couple of years we've had recently with the NFC East, I suspect, where – you know, in a 17-game schedule, you may be looking at an 8-9 or possibly a 10-win team winning the division. Um, and that's, I think, the reality of the deal. Every team has major flaws, but we've seen the Titans do it last year, a little bit up and down, lost the playoff game at home, but, you know, certainly won some big football games as well and won the most and rebounded from a, a tough home loss against Arizona a year ago. So, you know, the formula's there. I, the AFC West, I think, is just way too tough for them to, you know, for Las Vegas rather to uh, rebound from 0 and three and have to go swimming upstream against the chargers and uh, the chiefs and everybody else. All right. We saw this. I know you're uh, you are a draft guru and, and we saw a couple of years ago uh, the, the first round class of, of 2021, five quarterbacks, Mac Jones was the fifth uh, in the first round, and you had all these guys, and, and and a lot of them struggled. I mean, Trey Lance, you know, was in there a little bit last year, and yep. uh, he was okay. And Justin Fields was in there, and he had a couple of uh, glimpses, but uh, not great. And Trevor Lawrence, not great. Uh, Zach Wilson injured. So we know that rookie quarterbacks, even though we we talk a lot about them and we pine for them when things aren't going as expected, we know they're going to, they're going to struggle. I say all of that to get to Malik Willis. Mm -hmm. Is it too early? Is it, is it unfair and slash too early to make an example out of Ryan Tannehill? You come with us, sit down, put Malik Willis in just for a jolt, or would that be a bigger disaster than what they have already? Yeah, I mean, I thought there was a, a an avenue for him to be used kind of like, you know, Colin Kaepernick was used with Alex Smith, right? Where 
you know, didn't play a lot as a rookie. I think it was his second year where Jim Harbaugh started kind of integrating him into the, the run game, letting him throw a little bit. They had a package of plays that, that he was especially good at. And it, and it achieved two things, right? It gave the defense a couple of different looks to think about. I mean, yes, Ryan Tannehill can move. He's a good athlete. He could run, but different style player completely from Malik Willis. So it's a possibility that you could see something like that happen. Obviously we saw him, you know, once the game got out of hand up in Buffalo last week, but I didn't see that as a, a, a warning shot to Tannehill that he's going to get benched anytime soon. Now that said, loose the Raiders. They've got the Colts after that Washington, and then an early bye week, you know, if they stumble through those next three games, who's to say that they can't use the bye to get Willis up to speed. I, I sensed a little bit of, hesitation from Mike Vrabel when he, when he was asked about Malik and, you know, you can understand you want to pump the brakes and all that, but uh, it's clear he needs, uh, you know, a lot more exposure to NFL defenses to get up to speed, but you know, are you going to have to make a decision on whether he's your guy at some point for next year? Absolutely. Right. So this is not a winning season. Why kick the can down the road, get him a look at some point. So hmm. let's see how the next three games look. And then the week six by, and then all of a sudden you have a really interesting question. You know, can you go back? I don't know. Is it still a winnable division? Can Malik get you there? There are a lot of questions that come with that. A lot of questions with the Cincinnati Bengals. We talked all last year about their offensive line. Then it appeared that they got some noticeable upgrades on the O line. <laughs> Meet the new line, right? <laughs> Same as the old line. What's going on? What's what's going on with Cincinnati? And do you think they'll be able to uh, turn this thing around? Yeah, I can tell you that Lyle Collins had a pretty rough game against his former team last week, and I don't want to put it all on one guy. I don't really think it's you know one guy holding the entire group back or anything like that. But it's clear they're not meshing. And there was even that little audio clip of you know Joe Burrow, Mister. You know, uh, empty huddle at LSU. I mean, he would he would have the back motion out, and he'd have four other receivers and everything. You know, he didn't want empty protection. He told Zach Taylor that they caught it on the microphone during the broadcast. It was clear that he didn't trust his five to hold up against their four. Right? It wasn't like wow. you know Dallas was yeah. constantly blitzing. Right? So, you know, that's a pretty telling thing. I think right now you've got a fourth round pick at, at one guard. You know, I know Alex Cap is, you know, well regarded, but you have a new new interior three essentially, plus the the right tackle uh, Collins, who didn't have a great game and looks to be somewhat physically limited. I don't know the situation there exactly, but just uh, seeing how he moved, it was worrisome. So that said, I think a team with with Burrow, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Mixon, you know, et cetera, you see Hayden Hurst get involved too. At some point, they're going to figure it out, and they could have won both games. Just look back at last year, too. They win the wild opener against the Vikings. It was crazy, played out very similar to the opener this year against the Steelers, and they go on the road and lose to their old friend Andy Dalton, the Bears, backup quarterback, same kind of situation that Cooper Rush and the Cowboys represented last year. So, really, this year has started almost exactly the same as last year. The difference... 13 sacks instead of six or seven or whatever it is. So they've got to figure that out. Or otherwise, you know, we're going to see Brandon Allen. Do they want that? They want their backup quarterback? I don't think so. Eric, we need you to crack the code. I've been asking the question all week. Maybe you can figure it out. Click, 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 click. Here we go. Here we go. How does one solve the Buffalo Bills? Offensively, how do you slow them down? Defensively, how do you take advantage of them? 
Yeah. I mean, Gabe Davis misses a game and they win by more points in week two, you know, than they did in week one. Right. Again, and these are two really good teams that, that won, you know, 20 something games between them combined. So yeah, it's gonna be a fascinating game this weekend. I, I don't think you want to necessarily get in a track meet. Now, maybe the chiefs can pull that off. Maybe the chargers can, you know, a handful of other teams have that kind of firepower. But the thing about the bills that's so impressive is that, defensively they've gotten after it and they're doing it leslie frazier style four-man rushes they're not blitzing they're getting there with therefore being better than the other team's offensive line and that's a, a great formula to have and, and he's going to get some assistant coach of the year mentions that i think he'll get a lot of attention this season i think the key is obviously to cover and cover well and drop eight as much as you can almost daring them to run the football that's the one thing we really haven't you know seen them do consistently at this point you know, better, easier said than done, right? I'm sure every other team has faced them has tried to do some version of that. But yeah, it, it's it's been impressive to watch them at their the peak of their power so far. You know, it's like you ever, uh, and I love like great singers listening to great singers. I can't sing a lick, but there's a <laughs> moment when a great singer, you know, you're, you're going along and, and okay, this is great. Then they just go to a level and you say, okay, they're like uh, 2% of the planet can do that. And I think Josh Allen is in that category along with maybe Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. I think maybe Herbert too. There was a throw. We just showed him the B-roll or he's just kind of going backwards and then just unleashes it and it gets there in two seconds and it travels 50 or 60 yards and just say, all right, we spent all week planning. We had a good defensive plan. There's nothing in the world you can do about that. I mean, is that maybe is that the problem? If you're a defense and you're dealing with Buffalo at any time, even if you get pressure on him, sometimes under pressure, it's almost like he's got seven eyes and he can release a rocket and it could it could wind up in the end zone. Yeah, I mean, it's just unfair. Oh, yeah in a spot where his guy can get it and the defender can't. I mean, those are the kind of throws that are virtually indefensible, right? I mean, if you can do that, I know exactly the throw you're talking about. His body was facing somewhere towards the sideline almost and, you know, kind of throwing across his body and able to throw it into traffic, into a tough spot uh, and get the ball where it needs to go. So, you know, those are the plays that I think you just tip your cap to, to the superior talent. Lamar, okay, you, you did it, right? Uh, Justin Herbert, we've seen him make some ridiculous throws. Same thing with Mahomes. You just have to make it harder for them and hope that every now and then when they do improvise, when they do make those off script plays that, you know, their, their fundamentals just get away from a little bit or, you know, the, kind of the, the the slow matriculation down the field. You'd rather die by a thousand paper cuts in that case than, than with the stab to the heart, right? You'd rather have the one or two opportunities per drive to make a play on the ball, I think. So that that's going to be the biggest thing, you know, two high safeties, play it till they, they could run their way out of it. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Cause you know, it's hard. You want eyes on the football, but you also want to get tight coverage too. So it's a, it's another conundrum on what kind of coverage you actually play against these guys. Cause they can run, they can move. And that really taxes your, your pass rush and your secondary. I think. Yeah, you're right. I think Allen had a, a throw like that in the preseason. Maybe it was against Denver. Denver. Where it looked yeah. like they were, he was about, yeah, he was about to be tackled. And yeah, okay, you're about to, you, you got hands on the guy. Okay, we're gonna bring him down. No, wait a minute, he's throwing. He, yeah. Okay, first of all, how did he get the? 
how is he able to throw and how is he able to throw like that with big guys all around him? I, it's just crazy. But Eric, uh, always great talking football with you, my friend. Please stop by. We'll, uh, we will break down on Sunday night. We're going to spend an hour on who won the 0-2 Bowl. Yes. Raiders-Titans. That's, that's the game of the weekend. That's the undercard. <laughs> Forget Dolphins, Bills. Forget Bucks, Packers. No. That's the one you want to tune in for, Raiders right? I, I, I'm with you, That's man. It. I'm an 0-2 guy. <laughs> that is it. All right, Eric. Appreciate you. Take it easy, buddy. All right. We talked about it off the top. Uh, Celtics head coach, Ime Udoka, uh, facing a suspension for a consensual, intimate relationship was someone on the staff, uh, someone uh, who's a member of the Celtics franchise. And Mark Spears of Anscape covers the league very well, as well as anybody uh, in the country. I, I said earlier, teams, first of all, teams don't do this. Like teams, I can't, and you've covered the NBA for a long time. Teams usually don't suspend their coach for a season. And and then have them yeah. have that person come back as a head coach. I mean, just when you heard this story, the story break. You know, what were some of the thoughts uh, that you have, and what are some of the thoughts that you have around it? Well, as you know, I, I covered the Celtics for two seasons. I know the ownership very well, the stability of the franchise very well. So it was kind of surprising to me. Um, I mean, Woj is a great reporter, so I mean, it's not surprising to me that Woj reported it, but. Um, it was surprising to me that this got out to me. It was probably, uh, something I think should have been handled behind the scenes. There's so many other things that are handled behind the scenes that, uh, are, are probably even maybe much bigger than this, right. That we never hear about. That's and right. to me, this seemed to be one of those situations because there's so many people that this hurts. I mean, to me, like, uh, Amy's career is derailed um, and I'm not defending anything he did or I, I don't know all the details but this is you know this is probably put a scarlet letter on him uh, in terms of being an NBA head coach um, you think about all the people that affects it, it affects the entire organization it affects family members um, you know I, I put out a tweet today that Allison Feaster, who's an amazing up-and-coming front office exec who's basically like an assistant GM with the Celtics, and she's not involved with that. So it it was sad that I even had to put out a tweet like that, but, um, you know, social media is a dangerous place. And now that the Celtics haven't, I I don't know how many details they can put out, but you know, social media goes crazy and, and, and people are speculating, yeah. but go, but go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say you, you're going right. And I went there earlier. I said, you know, that was one of the unfair aspects of this story, Mark, that it did get out. We share that. And, and we're both reporters at heart. You know, it's the way we came up. So it's, it's, it's tough to say when you got a journalism background, Hey, that shouldn't have gotten out <laughs> because yeah. we're trained to, to get everything that we can. But there are certain stories that you say, well, wait a minute, why did it have to come out like this? And now that it's out, everybody 
who's a female who works for the Celtics is yeah. under scrutiny and it's just it's not fair. Do you think do you think the Celtics could have done anything to prevent that from happening? I mean the story I, I'm I'm making the big leap that the story leaked and it came from the Celtics. Since that leak came from them, is there anything they could have done to maybe get the message out but protect people who who are not involved at all and now have to answer questions? Yeah, it it, it just um you know, Mike, it, it's hard to really determine without knowing all the details, right? And I don't know that we'll ever know all the details or whether we should know all the details. But like right. to suspend a coach for a year, you might as well just fire him or let them resign and and figure out the best way, uh, personal differences, whatever, right? Because um, I, I, I don't even want to... <laughs> I'm, I'm like uncomfortable even going into the consensual and all that like like that's why i said yeah. this is, to me like it's sad because you're talking about a coach that i think could end up having a hall of fame career just went to the finals one of the young and up and up and coming coaches that a lot of you know young black coaches look up to that nigeria looks up to he's somebody that has had an impact globally um i, I saw him at the hall of fame he was there you know, played part of the Spurs dynasty. He was there supporting Ginobili when he went into the Hall of Fame. So, um, again, I don't not knowing the details. I'm, I don't I don't want to play judge and jury here, but it's um, you know when stuff like this happens to a coach, then if you're an assistant coach, your job is done. Like, but probably they you know I know guys on that staff. Uh, that, you know, if the things don't go well this season, even if they do go well, they probably have lost their jobs. So that's what I mean. It's uh, this is one of the sad days in Celtics history. Uh, it'll be an unforgettable day. And the after effects of this could be, could last for, for, for decades. All right. Now, can I push back against something that you said, Mark? You said that this could, you know, put the scarlet letter on him, uh, Udoka. And mm-hmm. and maybe affects his career. Yes and no. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It, what you said is true, but is that is that the way we should be looking at it, or teams should be looking at it? You know, there are players. Oh, I'm not, I'm not talking about through. me. <laughs> like, well, I'm I saying, but, like, but but the league. I mean, maybe we don't te- allow allow people to go down that route because there are players who have uh, all sorts of things in their background. The players yeah. that we admire, and well, and but you said after a while, it, it, it's it's different away. though when you could average thirty a game. When you're somebody that could average thirty yeah. or forty a game, like you could get away. So I'll say, how many stars do you know that as soon as they weren't that were headaches, that as soon as they weren't able to deliver on that elite level, uh, careers came to an end because people didn't want to deal yeah. with the diva stuff anymore. As long as well, coaches are coaches are coaches. They'll probably be, hey, I hope I'm wrong, but hey, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll go with another coach just because, you know, we don't want to. I, I, I think part of the problem with Kaepernick's ability to come back, this is a whole different subject, is that I think a lot of teams just don't want the potential circus that comes with bringing Kaepernick back. It doesn't even have anything to do with his ability to play. It's, well... 
Do we want national media there every day? Do we want to deal with the criticism? There's nothing to do with football. It's all off the court stuff. So I just don't trust our society. I don't trust these owners to be forgiving. Yeah, I, I think the Celtics are. And this is a black dude, into... so there's that too. You know, so you know how yeah, yeah. the world is. Well, well, listen, listen. I think the Celtics are jumping into some deep, deep, deep waters on this. If the story, so because I need some more information to make this make sense. If if it's a consensual relationship, and we're talking about adults, I'm not. Yeah. Well, I'm not talking about the dynamics of hey. Oh, you, you, you violated your vows or whatever. No, 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 no. I'm just talking about it's a consensual relationship between adults. Yes, yeah, team policy. You don't want that. Yeah. But it's not like he did anything wrong. That's debatable. That Celtics yeah. think it's wrong because it's their policy. But yeah. if you talk to if you talk to 30 people, uh, you know, if we just take a sample, we just scoop up 30 people right now listening to us, I bet you it's 15, 15, 16, 14. Yeah. It's yeah. debatable. Yeah. And to say, it begs to the question for them after everything comes out, was this worth it? Right. right. Was it worth it for everybody involved? Um, because there are going to be a lot of people that are going to, you know, careers, are going to be affected. Lives are going to be affected. It's deeper than the people involved in the franchise. It's, yeah. uh, I mean, just like I said, just the fact I got to tweet something out just so somebody could hopefully feel like their name's not drugged through the mud. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, like, the, that, that just shows really you the like, and, and the it's, it's what, it's, it's what four o'clock there. And we haven't heard nothing from this franchise. Like, that's not that's not good for for it's like deeper than those two people. It's there's a lot of pain going on with this right now. Yeah, yeah. So there, there are some more developments on this story, and I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, as developments come out. Uh, let's talk about some basketball before we uh, before we get you out of here. Oh, I thought you, you were story talk on... cyber. I thought we were gonna stay on the. <laughs> uh, oh well, hey, no. Yeah, we talked about him yesterday. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, give me a quick we... thought on something. Quick thought. Give me a quick thought on Sarver. Quick thought on on his decision to mm. sell the team. Uh, I really hope that they give an opportunity for um, black and female ownership. If there's one way that maybe he could save face and garner some, you know, uh, maybe maybe some hey, like all right some forgiveness maybe that's a way to do it is bring some black and female ownership into the new group because ultimately he's going to be in control of who is the next owner this is something that a lot of people forget but i'm glad he's out yeah you and me both let's talk some ball same uh stay in the western conference let's talk about dame uh you had a story uh on him tell us about it yeah, you know, Damon Lillard is, is a fascinating guy, and he is close with this new contract extension to making a half a billion dollars on the basketball court in his career. And so, it's to me, it was is easy just to ask him the simple same question over and over: Are you you coming back or not, Dame? 
I'm like, nah, man, I want, I want to go deeper with this dude. And so we just talked about his generational wealth and how he's been able to help family members and the, and the, um, the pressures that come with that. And I think he's done an amazing job of empowering his family members uh, where, uh, you know, I heard his brother is big into real estate and he gave him money to help with that. And if people are in peril in his family or in a real struggling manner, he helps them with that. But he'd, he'd rather you come with him with a plan and help you in that way. Mm. And it feels good to him. Like when he got his first NBA check, he actually, his mom had been stressed out on her job. And when he signed his first ca- contract, left Portland, went back to Oakland, went to her job in the Oakland suburb, walked in with a box and said, mom, you're out. We quit. And wow. So it just shows like the power of money and he didn't come from money, but he was saying that how his dad taught him to value the money and he has and use it in the right way. So I, I, I think that that's something that is interesting with players. Now we talk so much about how much like you, you know, Boston, you're in Boston with Antoine Walker, like guys that have lost money. Well, what about the yeah. guys that are doing great things with their money? And so he's, he could potentially, when it's all said and done in his life, be a billionaire. But his three kids are, you know, have generational wealth that will affect his family long after that, long after he's gone. So it was, it was just great for him to reflect on what he's been able to do and how he's been able to impact his family in, a, in an amazing way. I love that, man. I, I love I love the stories that you tell. You're such a great storyteller. Seriously, man. I'm I'm not. I, I would say that. To you, I'd say that uh, if you're not around, I talk about you behind your back and I say Mark Spears really gets people to open up and tell stories that we usually don't hear. I appreciate you, man. And oh, I you, still bro. have the bottle of wine. I still got that bottle of wine waiting for We're you. We're going to drink it. We're going to drink it. Just make sure you uh, refrigerate it correctly. <laughs> All right, brother. All right. Peace. All right. Thanks for hanging out, watching the show, listening to the show. Where are you going to be tonight? You're going to be in the Bronx. If you're in the Bronx, make your way to Yankee Stadium because tonight, my prediction tonight's the night, not just one home run for Aaron Judge, two. Yes, the Red Sox, record breaker tonight. Thanks for hanging out. Appreciate you.